Welcome to Pure Nonfiction, the podcast interviewing documentary filmmakers. I'm Tom Powers, the documentary programmer for the Toronto International Film Festival and artistic director of Doc NYC. On this episode, I talked to Penny Lane, the director of the new documentary, Hail Satan. There's a question mark at the end of that title. The film profiles the creators and followers of the Satanic Temple. The group launched very modestly in 2013. At that time, Florida's governor, Rick Scott, had just approved prayer in public schools. The Satanic Temple organizers held a press conference in Florida's state capitol, dressed in costume store robes and plastic horns. We honor Governor Rick Scott. Hail Satan, Rick for providing us this opportunity to make the satanic cause clear and make our presence known. The satanic temple was like catnip for the media, especially Fox News. The prominent co-founder of the temple is a soft-spoken man who goes by the name Lucian Greaves. In Florida, he hired an actor to represent the temple, but Greaves quickly realized he couldn't outsource that job. At the beginning, we didn't have the hubris to think that we could start a large global religious movement. When the Satanic Temple got started, I wanted to be sure that Satanism was properly represented. I very much felt that I was a Satanist, but there was no need to kind of publicly advertise that. Listen. You excited? Ah, yeah. You excited? No. I'm filled with angst. I wanted somebody else to be the face of this, but I, I found very quickly I didn't want somebody else to be the voice of this. Greaves was contacted by like-minded people across the country. Soon, local chapters of the Satanic Temple had started in dozens of cities throughout the U.S. and even abroad. In the film, we hear a wide range of members express varying motives, but they largely share a rebellion against authority. Jex Blackmore is a Detroit artist who became active in the temple. After I learned about the Satanic Temple, I set up a time to meet with Lucian. Throughout the conversation, I realized that we have very similar ideas of what contemporary Satanism was evolving to be. The devil directly challenged God. So as a Satanist, I believe that directly confronting injustice and corrupt authority is an expression of one satanic faith. And I believe activism is a satanic practice. The satanic temple helped to foster a community like any religion. Local chapters conduct charity efforts, like helping the homeless and cleaning up litter, but they are most active around defending a plurality of religious freedom. The film culminates with a campaign in Little Rock, Arkansas, where the government installed a Ten Commandments monument. The temple responded by creating their own statue of Baphomet, the goat-headed figure that's a symbol of Satanists. Arkansas State Senator Jason Rapert was appalled. It will be a very cold, cold day in the pits of hell before you'll ever see a statue from the Satanic Temple or some other 
group like that at the Arkansas Capitol. In the film, we watch how the Satanic Temple is besieged by opponents, sometimes even with death threats. We also see how the spirit of rebellion causes rifts within the group, including the Detroit chapter led by Jex Blackmore. Hail Satan had its world premiere in January at the Sundance Film Festival in Utah. It's being released to theaters by Magnolia Pictures in mid-April. I hosted director Penny Lane for a sneak preview at the IFC Center. Her previous films include Our Nixon, based on recordings of Richard Nixon, and Nuts, about an eccentric genius who claimed to have an impotence cure. I asked Penny to describe her own experiences with religion growing up. Uh, it was like none, like no contact with religion at all. Um, like nobody I knew was religious, or if they were, they didn't talk about it. Like my family certainly wasn't. Like I always felt like completely mystified by the idea that apparently most Americans were religious because I had no contact with any of it. And I thought maybe it was like some weird mental illness that I was lucky enough not to be infected with, all of which changed so dramatically when I made this film because I sort of learned, ironically enough, through my kind of long exposure to and you know association with this group, that religion's actually awesome and like cool and it fulfills like really deep human needs that are like meaningful and good and that having a religious identification and uh, an association with a, an organized religious philosophy was a, a deeply meaningful part of people's lives. And so, I, yeah, so this film changed my feelings about religion. But going into it, I thought it was kind of just weird and silly. So uh, what was your entryway into this group? It was just like hearing about them in the news. Like, I always wish I had a better origin story. But, you know, I saw these headlines kind of circulating. And I, I never actually, like, to be honest, clicked on the stories. Like, I thought I got it from the headlines. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, you know, this kind of yes-men type group is, is making this political satire. And I didn't once think they were actually Satanists. I just assumed they were kidding, um, that they were, like, atheists with plastic horns. And, um, and like... It wasn't until my producer Gabriel sent me a longer article by a wonderful journalist named Anna Merlin, and it was a cover story for the Village Voice that was really the first and maybe still only <laughs> really substantial reporting on the Satanic Temple that made me understand that there was like so much more going on than like some atheists who were making a political point. The film begins with uh, the, this uh, action taking place that's dated 2013. Is that your team that's filming uh, at that time in 2013? No. So by the time, like in this, in the narrative of this film, like we entered in Arkansas, like which is the beginning of Act Two. So by the time we showed up on the scene, this story was already pretty clear. Like the idea that there had been this kind of joke that had already manifested into an actual religion. Like, I already knew that was the story. So we were lucky enough that they were so kind of into media activism and like producing news packages and YouTube videos that there was a ton of footage that they had filmed themselves that we were able to use to fill in the early days. And can you talk about Lucian Greaves and uh, you know what your, how you found him as a subject and He's such an interesting person. You know, we contacted him, you know, first to see if if he'd be interested in pr participating in this film. And it's I don't even think the film I don't think the film f conveys this accurately. Like 
how much he doesn't like this attention is it's really hard to explain. Like, it sounds silly, like, well, if you don't want to have all this attention, how hard is it, like, not to go on Fox News? Like, most of us manage to avoid that every day. But he really feels this is a calling. Like, he feels this responsibility and this duty, and it's not coming out of ego, like, in the sense of, like, I really want, you know, people to be running up to me and asking for autographs. And um, if the film has a failing, it's that we couldn't quite convey that to the extent that I really wanted to. He is um, so passionate about this. It's taken over his entire life. And at this point, he's, like, all in on the Satanic Temple. He can't go back. Like, there's no going back to a normal life for him. So he feels daily the kind of um, stress and terror of, like, making this, making good on this, um, on this movement and on this church. It was really interesting for me to hear from all these other, this chorus of voices you have from, uh, from yeah, across the Yeah, I called the them country. the chorus, yeah. So can, can you talk about... Um, the effort that went into to filming that and and what you took away from hearing all these different individual stories. Yeah, that was hugely transformational because I would say the beginning of the process was very much spending time with Lucian and Jax, um, who at that time were like the obviously the most prominent um, spokespeople and most active um, high level things. And then we were learning about the organization and how it worked and sort of all this high level, you know, the big campaigns that were going on in Little Rock and in Missouri. And then once we realized it was time for us to get out onto the ground and like travel around and get to know, let's say, everyday Satanists, the whole story changed for me. And I think you see it in the film. Like, you know, this, this kind of like high level conceptual political prankster thing was barely a glimmer on the ground. I mean, it really was just like religious people going to church. Like it was just that. And getting together on Saturday to clean up their local highway or you know collecting socks for the homeless and doing all the things that we that we associate with with a religion and it was so powerful and like moving to me to just one after another do these interviews with these people and to hear them all say like in different ways you know that they had felt alone their whole lives like this profound assumption that they would always feel alone that they would always feel like they were the only person in their town who was like them and then finding each other, it's like incredibly moving to me. And it, it really did, it deepened and changed my understanding of the, the whole phenomenon and the whole story. Well, I want to ask you about that because a few people describe moments in their journey here where it became more real for them. And, and I wonder for you if there was a moment or different moments where what maybe started as a... Uh, you know, fascination with these satirists then became more real. Yeah, that's totally a very astute point, and that was part of the theme of the film that we did try to bring out as many times as we could because almost to a person, they kind of like came for the trolling and stayed for the community, you know, and that and that was true for us as well. Like, you know, like the jokes were good. <laughs> you know, it's like you show up for that. Um, but certainly, you know, standing in that room watching Lucian putting on a bulletproof vest was a, a pretty serious moment for me. I mean, I really thought like, why is this worth it? You know, like, oh my God, like nothing about this is fun right now. And I was terror, I was really scared. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a fun day. Like it was a pretty tense day. There was a lot of guns, it's an open carry state. Like it was, it was intense. Uh, and everything was fine in the end, but we didn't know that at the beginning. So that definitely, that's kind of why we end the film there. Like there was no more real and serious event. And plus it was a nice, 
kind of mirror image to the Rick Scott rally, right? Like the Rick Scott rally, there's three random actors in like Halloween robes and one guy clapping. Um, and then in Little Rock, there's hundreds of Satanists who have traveled on their own dime from all over the country to make a stand for religious pluralism on the state capitol. So it felt like a nice resolution to the, the origin story, which is what I think this is. I mean, obviously this story is not done, but we wanted to cover like the origin story. Can you uh, talk about the rift that you document in the film between the Detroit chapter led by Jex Blackmore and the, the National Council? Well, the first thing to say is that um, it was um, kind of a conflict that was um, long brewing. And it was very evident to us, like throughout the years we spent with Jex, that she was sort of distancing herself from the kind of um, institution of the Satanic Temple and was chafing at those bonds. She's an incredible artist. She's not to be contained. Um, and I saw that coming. Now, did I know exactly what was going to happen? No, but you know, it wasn't that much of a surprise uh, to us that that this that she left. Uh, and I would also say that I felt that they just both had such a good point. <laughs> like, I really. I mean, I completely sympathize with Lucian and his point of view, and I completely sympathize with Jax and her point of view, and it didn't even seem like, it was sad because it was the end of a really fruitful partnership, but it didn't, it seemed natural to me. Like, it seemed like the right thing to happen because Jax is better as, like, her own radical autonomous person um, than as, like, like, the member of a group. And it's a satanic organization, so, like, that's gonna happen, guys. Like, these are not joiners. These people hate authority. They hate institutions. So, like, it's no big surprise that there would be this kind of schism. And, in fact, we could have done this that storyline, like, 12 more times. Like, there were a lot of people who, who left during... I was wondering about that, yeah. because I, I didn't see that rift coming in the film, but I did keep imagining that for an organization that attracts so many outsiders... Mm -hmm. With bad social skills. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, that could lead to friction. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, and I mean that when I say bad... So they would say it themselves. Like, they're not super into, like, getting along. to Just to go, you know, going along to get along. It's not like their thing, you know? So, it's, so yeah, group harmony is a challenge in, in an organization. In any organization, but I think particularly if your, like, foundational values are autonomy and rebellion. <laughs> That's going to make it hard, you know? So I started to think more about the religion of Satanism as a separate phenomenon from the particular institution of the Satanic Temple. The Satanic Temple as a church might go away, like who knows, you know? But I think that they've, the work they've done has reinvigorated a whole generation of people to the idea of the satanic philosophy with these new kind of ideas built in about activism and rebellion and inclusion. And I think that that is a growth phenomenon, even if the satanic temple is, as an institution, like may not be, I don't know. Uh, so the film had just made its debut a couple months ago, has been playing some film festivals, but what has the reaction to it been, and what has the reaction to it been from people who are part of the Satanic Temple? Well, the first thing I would say is that usually when you're at Sundance and you're doing your premiere at Sundance, like you're not thinking that much about the fact that you're in Utah, but you are definitely thinking about the fact that you are in Utah if you were there with this movie. 
And that was really cool because, I mean, the people who responded most to the film were the people from Utah, you know? I mean, you have to have a sense of, like, actually how oppressive this dominant religious paradigm is in, like, certain places in this country. And it's not New York City, and it's not L.A. either. You know, it's certainly not where I grew up in Massachusetts. It's, it's Little Rock. It's Utah. It's Texas. It's Kansas, Missouri. Like vast swaths of this country, like Senator Jason Rapert is like the normal senator, right? Like it looks, he looks like a yokel to me, but he's like prototypical in a lot of places. So that's been my most exciting feeling, going around to festivals and see, sort of seeing like how much more the people in parts of the country who feel they need this as a kind of, whether it's catharsis or if it's like actually motivating politically, it's been really cool. Um, and I don't like to speak for other people, but I think the Satanic Temple loves this movie. <laughs> like, seems like so far their response has been pretty giddy. Like they're like really excited. And a bunch of them flew again on their own dime to Sundance to be there for the premiere from all over the country. And it was just awesome. Like I think it's cool because mostly they get mocked or hated and, and um, for them to have like a serious filmmaker take them seriously and present them to serious audiences in a respectful manner, I think is beyond their wildest dreams of what they could have expected from the media. Well, that's something that's interesting about this film is because you are documenting in a serious way what might be called a fringe cultural group. And often in documentaries, we're used to seeing documentation of more mainstream uh, groups that have a larger visible body, have a greater number of adherents. And um, and so I wonder what that experience was like, you know, trying to take something seriously that a lot of people don't. Well, it felt, first of all, like a huge responsibility. Um, you know, again, it all seems like fun and games until you really start thinking about the real risks these people are taking with their, with their reputations and with their lives in certain cases to make a stand for all of us. Like, that's such an important point. Like, their point at the end of the day is not like Satanists deserve more stuff than other people. Like, they're fighting for everyone. They're fighting for all of you. And that I thought was incredible. Um, and so I felt, and also knowing how mocked and reviled they are by all of culture, I was worried, I wanted to get it right. I wanted to make sure I was representing their worldview accurately and that felt like a huge amount of pressure. I knew that this film would become some kind of canonical text about modern Satanism, probably. And I didn't want to be wrong. Um, so that was, that was, I was very worried about that. But also, like, the whole time we were making the film, we just felt like it was such a privilege to, that they trusted us and they allowed us to tell their story because I really do think they're heroes. And um, I kind of soft-pedaled it in, like, direct interaction because I don't want to promise anyone what kind of movie we're going to make, right? Like, I don't want to say, you're going to look like a hero in this movie because I can't say that. But, like, behind the scenes, that's what we were feeling. Like, we were just like, these people are weirdly heroes and it just felt like really cool to be able to elevate you know those kind of skeptical heretical outsiders to that to that heroic status that was our goal there's uh, such an interesting relationship between this group and fox news uh and uh and i wonder if you can it's almost like one couldn't exist without the other it's, it feels like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have a rich sampling of Fox News uh, clips in here, and I'm I'm betting that there's more where that came from. 
Well, it's funny because like that's the only news network that pays any attention to the Satanic Temple. It's not as if they wouldn't like to be on CNN, but CNN doesn't care. The only people that want them around are the ones who can drag them onto their show, yell at them and call them morons, you know, you know, ask them what happened to them in their childhood, abuse them and then send them packing. Like that's the goal. And that's every interaction. And bless Lucian Greaves for sitting there and like taking that abuse like in the name of religious freedom because it seems kind of pointless, but it is an outlet for them. And again, no one else has ever called. Like they're not turning down the the nicer, you know, media appearances. So, I mean, does does Lucian Greaves just have a relationship with the Fox News booker? And uh, and, and I, I wonder, so, yeah. you know, does he have, does he see it as all positive uh, every time he's called no, by he them? Or is no, he finds it ter terrifying and stressful and very upsetting. And on some level, he is very naive. And he every time he does a media appearance, he's disappointed again as if he doesn't know that that's what's gonna happen. I mean, it's been, it's hard for him to watch him go through that, to be honest. Like, he, every time he gets his hopes up that there's gonna be, like, some actual fair treatment, and then there isn't, and he's like, but I don't understand, <laughs> like, Lucian. He's just a very rational person, and he thinks if he just, like, rationally explains things that that's, like, gonna work, you know? And, yeah, it's not the landscape that we live in. So, uh in the title of the film has this question mark after Hail Satan. Uh, can you describe what you were thinking with that? Well, I really like punctuation in movie titles. So, no, actually, I, d I don't. And, but, um, well, we really, like, we started to get to the end of the film. Like, it was, like, coming together. We knew what the movie was. We were doing test screenings. We were getting this really positive response. We were getting really excited about, like, putting this in theaters, which we're doing in, like, two weeks. Um, and we started to wonder if... This, the words Hail Satan on a marquee would be like one step too far, you know, like could we get people into the theater? And it's not really about pandering, it's like sort of like how do you get people in the room? And, you know, we started to play around with different title ideas, but we were very connected to Hail Satan um, because we really felt that it was important. Like it makes sense for this film for so many reasons, but the main thing is that you know, you watch this film, and the beginning of the film, the words mean one thing, and by the end of the film, the words mean something different. And it just felt like the right title, you know? So anyway, the question mark is really there as an invitation. It's like there to like make it a little bit less confrontational. Like maybe there's like something in the question mark that might like make someone wonder what this movie's about, and maybe it's a little bit less of a, yeah, it's literally not a declarative statement. So we'll see if that works. One of the things that I admire about the Satanists and the followers of the Satanic Temple is when they will face people who you really don't get them, have a lot of anger uh, uh, towards them, and the ability of Lucian Greaves and uh, some of his colleagues to you know maintain their own calm. Um, and I wonder, in the course of making this film or bringing it out, if if you've had to face uh, people who really don't get it and are bringing directing anger at you, I mean, if do you count like misspelled all caps emails from crazy people? Like, yeah, but those are really easy to ignore. Um, so not in person, not yet. Uh, again, it's like who shows up to see the movie. I don't know if that's. Self-selective. Yeah, so far. I think it's self so far, and especially because we've only been doing film festivals and like specialty screenings like this one, you know. So maybe there'll be something, but I think it really helps that like most people don't understand that documentaries even have directors. So 
Like, I'm not likely to be the target of too much attention. <laughs> Seriously, try to name five. Well, wrong group. You guys can name five. Ask your friends if they can name five. They can't. <laughs> In a question from the audience, Penny was asked to reflect on the politics of Hail Satan and on how the film is more celebratory of its subjects than her previous work. If you're like me and you are a very skeptical person and you have been your whole life and you somehow feel that you're always the person in the group who like has to be like, well, what about this? And like is never like really allergic to dogma and joining and chanting and slogans. It's been really hard for me to engage politically in my life. And it's always felt like a, a lack. Like it's not like I don't care. But it's really hard for me to like be part of a political group and like get into it. Just the minute I join, I'm like, ugh, groups, the worst, right? Um, so it really wasn't like finding this group and and feeling like such common cause with what they were doing and being able to like just wholeheartedly like endorse it was the, really one of the great feelings of my life, you know. And it motivated the film. I mean, Gabriel and I felt the same way. We were like oh my God, like early on in the process, we were like, oh my God, like this is about like the beauty of the Constitution. Like this is actually a really optimistic film. Like, you know, it's not even, it's not anarchist. It's not like burn it all down. It's actually like, let's uphold the values that we say we have because wouldn't we be all better off? You know, it's like, so it's actually kind of um, weirdly patriotic, you know? And I have to say, it felt good. It felt really good to like believe in America. And like, I was like, this is like through Satanists? Like, this is so funny. Like, people are gonna go crazy. So it was just a lot of fun for me. And you're right that it's absolutely an outlier. And I, I don't know if I could ever do it again. <laughs> we'll see. I want to thank director Penny Lane for joining me. Her film Hail Satan is being released to theaters by Magnolia Pictures. If you're in New York City, please join us for Pure Nonfiction at IFC Center. Each Tuesday, we show a documentary, followed by a conversation with the filmmakers or other special guests. Our spring season runs through the end of May. You can get more information on our website. Thanks to our team, series producer Hannah Nordenswan and web designer Cross Strategy. Our theme music is composed by Andre Williams, who passed away last month at age 82. Our executive producer is Rafaela Nehausen. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Pure Nonfiction. I'm Tom Powers. You can follow me on Twitter at T-H-O-M Powers. Pure Nonfiction is distributed by the TIFF Podcast Network. You can read our show notes, learn about live events, and sign up for our newsletter at Pure nonfiction.net. <laughs> <laughs>